everyone, welcome to the Western Podcast. This is episode two of season four. Um, my name is Nicole Catalina, and I'm one of the editorial writers for the Western. And I'm really excited to host the show today. So just before we start the show, I'd like to give out an acknowledgement to country. So on behalf of the Western team, we'd like to acknowledge the Darek people as the traditional custodians of the land where we are currently recording this podcast. We pay respects to the elders, past, present, emerging, and continue to acknowledge their spiritual connection to country. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. So on today's show, we will be interviewing Gerard Gabelon. So just a little introduction. Gerard is a 23-year-old emerging filmmaker and nationally renowned dancer from Woodcroft. Jared graduated from the University of Technology in 2020 with a degree in media arts and production and has been working professionally in the film industry for the last four years. In 2019, Jared wrote and directed his debut short film, Prodigal Son, which communicated the nuances of immigrant life in Western Sydney among the generations of Filipinos. Alongside his work in film, Jared has established himself throughout Australia as a competitive break dancer with his 10-year career as a dancer. He's currently representing New South Wales as a member of the Australian Breaking Association with the hopes of representing Australia in the 2024 Paris Olympic Games. And P.S. Jared's family owns a Filipino takeaway restaurant in Blacktown called Manila Food. Come and eat there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to meet you too. Okay, so... I didn't know about the breakdancing part. Mm. Um, we were talking about it earlier before we recorded. So how did that start, actually? The dancing? Yeah, the breakdancing. Um, well, I started dancing when I was in, like, year eight, I think. Yeah. Or year seven, actually. Mm-hmm. It was just coming into high school. We went to the same high school. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, there was, like, a lot of sea walkers in that high school, if you remember. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty cool because I remember on the first day of year seven, um, there was like a seawalk battle between some guys and I was like, fuck, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to learn and I wanted to be in that crew. So I started seawalking with them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, would, I did that for like the whole year. We went to like, you know, we did those whole seawalk meetups with like 30 people yeah. and it was like pretty crazy. Yeah. But then like a lot of the people in like my seawalk crew just became like gangsters or like druggers <laughs> yeah. or, you know, just like not the kind of crowd that I wanted to be around. Yeah. So then I kind of detached from sea walking, but I still really wanted to dance. And I was into like the dance TV shows, like, you know, like So You Think You Can Dance and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. And um, and then I think I saw Breaking through like a crew called Quest Crew. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy I really liked called Victor Kim. Mm-hmm. And he would just do like crazy moves. And like, I would just YouTube, like how to do this, how to do that. Mm-hmm. So then like every day after school, mm-hmm. I'd just go home and start practicing little moves. Wow. And then eventually i found out about a like open session that they would have every week in Parramatta pcyc Mm -hmm. and i started going to that after maybe like a year of breaking at home and then that's when i just met basically like a lot of members of the community that i'm connected to now and still like dance with so Awesome. Yeah, I started from like high school, sea walking, and then transitioned into yeah. breaking. So yeah. Oh god, that's amazing. So you pretty much like spent your whole life, just well, half your life, rather. Yeah, maybe half yeah. my <laughs> life. Yeah, but I, I haven't been going hard for like the whole time. Like yeah. I went really hard in the beginning, and then I kind of dipped to really focus on film, mm. and then like I'm kind of dipping back up now. Oh. So like it's just been up and down, but I've always yeah. been around the scene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for agreeing to this interview. It's all right. Yeah. Um, the reason why I wanted to put you on this platform was because I think now, like, we've, I'm, we're starting to see this movement in the creative arts where we're really starting to merge with storytelling, especially 
when it comes to like TV, films, and for theater, like if you know Miranda Aguilar, they had a theater show the other, the other weekend. Um, and we've also had Herbert Leota's Neverland coming out very soon. So mm. yeah, I definitely think there's a yeah. movement that's coming out. For sure. Um, yeah, in terms of storytelling, which is really exciting. Um, but anyway, um, so onto the questions. A lot of them has to do mm. with your filmmaking. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to ask about how you sort of decided to get into filmmaking. So um, how did you end up making that decision mm -hmm. to study media arts and production yeah. or, you know, get into making films? Um, I think, like, honestly, there wasn't much of, like, a decision, like, I want to do this or, like, it didn't take a lot of time for me to sit down and be like, oh, like, I don't know what to do because my dad was always in the film industry as well. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily in the film industry on, like, feature films and stuff like that, but he did a lot of, like, documentary work and photography work. So, yeah. like, growing up, he was always editing on his computer. There was always cameras around the house. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, naturally as a kid, you kind of hang around your parents a lot. You hang around your dad a lot. Mm -hmm. So I would, I remember like early memories would be him like editing, just like sitting down like this and like <laughs> me sitting down on yeah. that, just oh. kind of like looking over his shoulder, <laughs> watching him edit. So like, I think in my mind as a kid, I always had it that like, oh, this is a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then I think like growing up as I watched movies and being interested in certain movies, I was really interested in animation actually at first as a like little kid, mm -hmm. but then, um, kind of growing up and then going to high school seeing like media arts uh, media multimedia in high school things like that mm. it was just like oh i can like i can use all the equipment at home mm. i have i already have all these things like um i kind of just felt drawn to it naturally because it was just around me all the time mm. and then i didn't initially get into media in university but i did photography at first but it was kind of similar yeah. so then i don't know it was just always kind of with me okay. like since since i was born yeah Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so you just kind of like lived and breathed that kind of thing as as you were growing up, wasn't it? I guess so. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, it was definitely just, yeah, it was definitely for my dad. Like he was definitely the one pushing a lot more. We didn't, we didn't really talk about films or the artistic side of things. Mm -hmm. It was more just like, at first, I was just really fascinated by like the gear and the cameras and yeah. all the, like all the flashy stuff. Mm -hmm. And then later on, it developed into like, a deep passion for like stories and art and all that stuff but you know it kind of started from just just that oh, simple that's base yeah <laughs> that's beautiful yeah you definitely got to start somewhere um yeah i guess my next question is um it just kind of has to do with like your style mm -hmm. like is it have you sort of figured out what kind of style of filmmaking hell no. oh hell no okay yeah. <laughs> so you're still trying to figure that out yeah definitely yeah. like like I know what I'm drawn to. Like I definitely have, I think like a certain taste. Like when I see something, I know that I like it. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of my old, my own filmmaking, like it's hard to find your own unique voice mm -hmm. when you're, I guess like I'm really inspired by so many directors and like it's easy to just be like, oh, I like what that guy did. I want to do something like that or I want to do that. But mm -hmm. I feel like in a way it's not true to me in, in certain cases. Yeah. And I think like I'm still trying to, Re like to learn more research more watch more and like live a little bit more mm -hmm. and like i think through that maybe i'll find a style but like definitely don't have anything concrete mm -hmm. i know that i'm i'm more into i guess uh stillness in a way i'm really drawn to that mm -hmm. i'm really drawn to textures i'm really drawn to like uh silence um i guess like things that you can read into more than like 
it's given to you if you know yeah. what i mean yeah yeah, yeah i absolutely. guess like yeah that's really general but like um yeah yeah no that's great yeah i think it's natural as well like when you're well even if you're just starting out or like however far you're into your career like i think it's natural to not always know what you're doing because or like it's na- also natural to just unknowingly sort of copy what you like mm-hmm. because you're still trying to figure things out and you're sort of trying to find your own foundation for your own style so but i think yeah i th- i think your interest in like texture and stillness is really like beautiful because when i was re-watching your film actually like this is my next segment mm-hmm. actually yeah, yeah. um <laughs> like i found your work to be like really really beautiful like you put a lot of long takes in a lot of the film and it sort of brings me like a really nice sense of comfort, especially because what I like about it is that it's sort of it's localized within the Filipino diaspora. Mm. It's so specific to Western Sydney. Um, and especially when I saw like Starlight Bakery, like that was like so like it like there's some sort of magic when you see like local um yes, yeah, just sort of like the local on the big screen. So I guess I just wanted to ask, um, what motivated you to direct and write um, The Prodigal Son? Was there like a specific audience in mind or like, was it something that you had to tell mm. about um, Filipinos or what was sort of your... Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. I think what you said about when you see a place that's familiar to you on the big screen, there's like a, a magic around it and there's that feeling of like, in a way, like even if you have nothing to do with it, there's a feeling of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I definitely, definitely, definitely wanted to bring that to to um obviously to like the big screen but even just to like my small university audience that you know because it was originally it was originally made for my like final project for uni and I just know that like I just felt like I had my own story to tell that I know for sure that a lot of people from from the areas that the people came from in my uni from my uni to my like my teachers my peers like I just feel like that was something that they definitely haven't seen and it was something that I felt like I had the need to put out there because like, you know, like, well, at the same time, it's also like the only thing that I really know as well. Yeah. So it was, it seemed natural for me to want to do something like that. Yeah. But I really emphasize trying to shoot everything within Western Sydney. Yeah. So everything I shot was, was just around the area yeah. from like the local choir in like St. Andrew's Church yeah. to the church that we actually shot in in Mount Druitt mm-hmm. to obviously Starlight Bakery mm-hmm. we shot in my grandma's house down the road <laughs> so like and in Blacktown and stuff like that so um yeah everything I stressed to make everything around this area like yeah. I think that one there was a level of comfort that I had directing within like a space that I was comfortable with and directing around like faces like you know Filipino faces western faces that mm-hmm. I would see uh you know on a daily basis so I think as a director that made me really comfortable mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I just thought that yeah, it was important for me to stay within this area. I think like for what you said about why I wanted to make the film, I think that I knew I wanted to do something that was personal to me. Mm-hmm. So I think like something that throughout my whole uni, um, like experience, something that always was on my mind was that like, I really feel different from everyone. And, you know, maybe that's not the case in all unis, but at least like my experience going to UTS and being in like the communications like mm-hmm. cohort, yeah. there was just a lot of, um, yeah, not to bag out anyone from anywhere, but like 
everyone just was from like the you know the north the east mm. and um the inner west um and when i would tell stories about like what because you know you all talk they like, get to know each other yeah. they'd be like oh yeah i did this in high school i did that in high school and i'll just say like oh i, I was around this people these kind of people you know they were like fobs or this yeah. and that and yeah. i remember some guy was like what's a fob like yeah. there's just a lot of things that like showed me that oh crap there's like there's something that i know that these guys don't yeah. so that was always on my mind in the back of my mind yeah. um so yeah i think it was natural to gravitate towards that and also as like a filipino i think there was a, there's a lot of like difficulties in finding your identity yeah. like just specifically as a filipino just because of you know like um uh like trauma from colonialization mm -hmm. like the distance between us and our parents like there's a lot of things there that uh, I struggled with personally and you know I think a lot of Filipinos struggle with uh, I guess well from what I've seen a lot of Filipinos try to detach themselves from the Filipino side of them mm -hmm. at least early on when I saw that in high school I would see that a lot mm -hmm. and I also did the same thing like you know I'd be like oh, I only want to date white girls yeah. or like um, you know like oh, I'm gonna try to change my accent as much as I can to not sound filo mm -hmm. Or, you know, a lot of people would try to make their skin lighter, you know, all this and that. Yeah. And uh, coming from that mindset before to then realizing that what I had was really special and then being really like pro philo everything, yeah. that's kind of like the base of where I created my first character, which is like yeah. the little boy or like the, the boy of the story. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, it kind of just went from there. Like just my past experiences of one, realizing the difference, the differences between me and others at uni mm -hmm. and also like my own growth as like a Filipino, wow. yeah. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I think that's definitely true that um, a lot of Filipinos, like not just lately, but several of us, like we have a tendency to suppress a lot of ourselves and just sort of hide the otherness that we have, like when we're sort of displaced. Yeah, when we're displaced from Western Sydney, we don't realize how good that we have it until you meet other people. Um, who aren't, you know, within the diaspora or within the um, within Western Sydney, and I think it's sort of at that point where you realize that your cultural identity is so important. It's like sort of the only thing that you have to sort of realize. Okay, this is who I am. Like this is the part of me that shouldn't die out. And I think that's beautiful that you want to communicate that in your film. So I actually wanted to talk about that. Um, mm. About I guess. Um, sort of the story development um, because, you know, for a film that has so little dialogue and action, I wanted to know, like, what that sort of screenwriting process was like as well as, like, also the multilingual language that you have. Like, there's obviously mm. both Tagalog and um, English within um, the film. Um, what So what kind of issues did you have with, like, finalizing the draft or, like, sort of developing this story? Mm -hmm. So, well, just to s say at first, like I suck at speaking to Tagalog. Like I would not even say I can, like I can speak it, but it's so bad that I'll just say like, I can't. So I definitely had to have people with me that, that knew how to speak. And obviously like, that's not too difficult. Like there's a lot of family, friends and all that stuff that could help me out. Mm -hmm. So I definitely used that, used my people that were around me to help me uh, finalize the script. Like I initially wrote everything in English and then I would um, like highlight the bits that I wanted in Tagalog. Um, and then I would just give that over to like a translator and they would just help me translate that. And then I would 
obviously I can understand, so I'd read it and then be like, oh, I think emotionally this isn't what I'm really trying to say. So then I'll just change it a little bit in back in English to like emphasize a certain word and then go back and forth with um with whoever was translating my my dialogue. Um, and I think the dialogue specifically in my film was really important because to me that was another way of showing like the difference between generations. Mm -hmm. So like um, the amount of English or the amount of Tagalog used varied depending on the character. Mm -hmm. And so let's just say like this, the son didn't speak any mm -hmm. Tagalog at all. Mm -hmm. And his mother would speak to him Tagalog who would reply in English. Mm -hmm. The father would speak between broken English and Tagalog and the grandfather would only speak in Tagalog. So like, I think it was important for me to show that gap in the generations through language, mm -hmm. kind of like the idea of like culture trickling away yeah. as uh, new generations come about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was my dialogue. Um, that's how I thought about that. But in terms of the overall screenwriting process, I think um, I definitely thought, thought thought of things more as action-based yeah. because I knew from the beginning I didn't want to have a lot of dialogue so I tried to pack every scene with layers of images so rather than seeing you know obviously it's it's, it's 3d but rather than seeing a two-dimensional action where just one thing is happening mm -hmm. there would maybe be one thing happening at the foreground something happening mid-ground something happening in the background mm -hmm. or even if nothing was happening in those uh in those layers there was something to look at yeah. so maybe there's like a painting uh, in the like left composition of the frame mm -hmm. that was kind of speaking to someone that was talking in the foreground right composition of the frame yeah. so I definitely tried to fill in the gaps of dialogue through layering of images mm -hmm. um, and yeah I just would think and I just based I tried my I tried to base uh, each character and each event off of um, just roughly off of things that I've experienced and off of conversations that I've had with people yeah. So a lot of the build-up to my screenwriting was just talking to a lot of my friends and a lot of my families about, like, mm -hmm. you know... Uh, for example, I, I worked a lot with the um, the daughter of the owner of Starlight Bakery. Yeah. So she even went to my high school. Shout-out to Leah. <laughs> but um, she helped me a lot because I would... Uh, especially developing the grandfather character. Yeah. So she would tell me, like, the actions of how they would set up in the morning. She would tell me about like how when they just started at Starlight Bakery, her, it was just her her father and her mother just coming there at 4 a.m. by themselves, setting everything up. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of took what I could from that story and added it into into my, my vision of what the grandfather would be. Mm -hmm. That was based a little bit off of that, a little bit off of, you know, my own grandfather, a little bit off of um, just what I believe the older generation of Filipinos like in my eyes yeah. and I kind of did the same with every character so each one pulls from certain people in my life that yeah. kind of represent that generation and I just yeah. use them as the foundation for creating my story oh, awesome mm. yeah now oh, that's brilliant sorry just one side note when you say Leia do you mean Leia Aringo yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh I haven't seen her in ages me too actually <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was the only yeah, yeah. um I'm yeah she was the best she helped so much to be yeah, honest yeah yeah it's surprising like like obviously went to the same school mm. but it's like the whole six degrees of separation thing yeah like, it's interesting um anyway yeah no i think that's amazing that you sort of have like sort of pull out from different um filipino experiences and then sort of build that as the foundation for your narrative um i actually wanted to ask like this isn't part of the questions i read out but have you heard of this thing called kapwa 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 no oh okay 
So I guess it's a Filipino value that means like a shared inner self. Mm -hmm. um, and it's this idea that it doesn't matter like how sort of different um, your experiences are as Filipinos, um, you still have sort of something to share within um, the mm. diaspora, within the generations. And I think, I, th I think your film kind of demonstrates that really well. Like it doesn't matter, like, like de there's definitely some cultural nuances um, along the lines, but at the same time, there is still some level of shared experiences when you're sort of living in the diaspora, which I think is really beautiful. Um, yeah, so for, for my next question as well, um, just still going on to the film, um, how did your friends and family like receive the film? Um, did they sort of appreciate the very, I guess, withdrawn and late, um, not laid back, but yeah, just sort of like the stillness. boring. Yeah, <laughs> they found it boring. <laughs> no, 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 like the boringness <laughs> of the film. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, um, um, I don't. I, I probably found it boring, but they. W I don't think they would have told me like it was boring or not. Yeah. I think they knew that I was trying to go for something that was, um, at least from what they're used to, a little bit more abstract and a little bit more, um, you know, of an artistic film. Mm. Um, you know, because my like my family just watches like the regular Hollywood stuff. Like yeah. they don't. Yeah. They don't know too much about film and about art and about um, yeah, just like all that that whole kind of field. So they watched it, um, and they told me they liked it. They liked certain parts, but I think I don't know. I think they didn't say anything too 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 specific. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of a trait of my family as well, mm -hmm. is that we kind of keep quiet about what we really think, but we kind of show show it through little things. Yeah, and I think like especially my mom and dad like I think there was a lot of inspiration I took from them mm -hmm. and them watching the film I was kind of nervous at first to show them because like I didn't want them to think that I took maybe the negative parts or mm. you know maybe the good parts of our of like my upbringing and put that on screen for everyone to see mm. but like they didn't say anything about it but I'm sure like they kind of felt that you know this is kind of you know they're like what the one of the woman in my film was like wearing my mom's clothes and stuff yeah, like that like yeah, it's yeah. kind of unavoidable to think that there's a connection there so yeah. you know nothing was said but I think like I think there's a level of support and appreciation that they had that was uh, increased after they saw it mm -hmm. just um you know they've always been supportive but I feel like they don't really question me when I when I want to do something creative or when I want to try to stray away from like what's considered normal for them so I think like yeah. seeing the film was really important for them to be like oh I think Gerard is like really doing something rather than like he's just like mucking around yeah you know? yeah so, so so it almost like resonated with them i guess so like yeah. i don't know specifically because <laughs> we don't really talk like that yeah. we're really close but we just don't talk yeah. like that but um but yeah i think yeah. i would say it probably did oh, yeah yeah i feel like that's such a fellow thing though to not really i guess not really like say explicitly like your own feelings but like show it in other ways like it's kind of like how a common migrant love language this is cliched but also like a common migrant love language is like giving you fruits as a yeah. way of saying oh i love you yeah like, that was that was kind of like a that was a really important element of my film as well mm. which is why the um the kind of uh reconciliation at the end with the son and the mother was through like the giving of pandasal mm. so it was just like 
no words spoken because obviously there's the barrier of like English and Tagalog, them not being able to understand each other, but mm -hmm. through food or through like a common thing that can be shared between everyone, like yeah. that's how they kind of reconciled at the end. So, yeah. you know, I definitely think that that's an important part of all cultures, not just Filipino culture. Um, and yeah, I think sometimes when it's little things like that, when it's an action rather than words, I think it means a lot sometimes as well. Oh, it means more sometimes. Yeah. So like it really hits me when like little things like that happen or when someone or a family member or just someone does something unexpected mm. because it means like maybe they were pondering that for a while or it took a lot for them to you know do show that little act of kindness yeah so, yeah. yeah absolutely mm. yeah and the food is like absolutely it's such a beautiful motif in the film that yeah i think it's sort of part of that shared in itself that like like it's it's almost powerful the way food sort of brings like a communal aspect to everyone because yeah, like it sort of brings, there's a togetherness mm. in that. So I think, yeah, I find that really beautiful. Um, anyway, um, I guess my next question as well has to do with, yeah, just sort of where Western Sydney is going. Um, where do you personally see the future of Western Sydney-based film and television going? Do you mm. think there's a market for it? Um, I, think, I think our market at the moment is ourselves mm -hmm. because I think, but I think that's important because I think we need to prove to ourselves first that there is something here that's special mm -hmm. that then can maybe inspire others or motivate people to do more. Mm -hmm. But I think that we haven't necessarily tapped into the wider range of even Australia or New South Wales. Mm -hmm. I think Western Sydney people are really supporting each other at the moment, which is great. Um, but I 100% believe that like Western Sydney is like the future for film. I think the stories that we have and the cultural diversity that we have is unlike anything that I've seen in other parts of New South Wales. And I think that the, t the only issue is the balance of resources and experience. Yeah. So let's say someone from a more you know uh, privileged area might have a lot of resources, but not a lot of experience to create great stories, but because they have the resources, they just push them out there. And I've noticed that from like going to film festivals like throughout the, throughout the years mm -hmm. is that a lot of the short film festivals kind of detail the, you know, the upper middle class northern eastern lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But that's just because they're the ones who are just putting the stories out there. They're the ones who get the funding and the resources. Mm -hmm. But I think once the resources can catch up to Western Sydney and then that mm -hmm. gap between experience and resource um, is evened out a little bit more, mm -hmm. maybe we can uh, like demonstrate our stories and we can you know submit into more film festivals or into more you know art galleries around new south wales and i think like once that happens people will be like oh crap there are so many amazing stories coming from the west mm -hmm. and naturally people are drawn to sto like amazing stories mm -hmm. so i think it's just a matter of time until that gap is bridged mm -hmm. and when it is i think it's just that's going to be the next wave of filmmaking in australia i think in my opinion, yeah. yeah 100%, mm. yeah. And I think slowly, I think slowly we are getting there because, like, we are starting to get platforms like, say, Blacktown Shorts, which you were entering into, and um, Blacktown Art Prize. Yeah. Like those Made in the West as yeah. well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like, those sort of, like, the more sort of platforms that are sort of being made here, I guess the more recognition that you can sort of, like, have for yourself. You're sort of putting your name out there. And... It's kind of like um, if there's no seat for you at the table, just sort of make your own. For sure, table. yeah. I was yeah. gonna say, I was gonna say, like, 
you know, we don't have these resources and it's not, it's not the best option to just wait till it comes on our laps. I think like it's best for us to do something for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good. But at the same time, I think it's important for us as artists from Western Sydney to, to obviously uplift our own community, but to see further than, than what we know and what we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So even though submitting and trying to create like foundations for art in Western Sydney is 100% important. Mm -hmm. I think we should also try our best to go out as well, yeah. just to extend our reach and just to challenge ourselves more. Because from my experience of kind of being on both ends of like the, the more like industry side of filmmaking, which is just dominated by, you know, old dudes mm -hmm. from like, you know those suburbs yeah, and then yeah. being from like the western sydney side which is like we're killing it in music videos we're killing it in like more small creative projects mm -hmm. like there's a big gap there and you know there's nothing wrong with being in one or the other but i think it's important to at least know and to see what's on the other side mm -hmm. just to grow yourself as an artist and maybe take something away that you can then bring back into your community so yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah i think I think we'll get there. Like, I 100% yeah. think we'll get there if we just <laughs> yeah. keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as we have the patience for it mm -hmm. as well, because, yeah. I, maybe, do you think we still have a long way to go? Or? Yeah, I think we still have a long way. Uh, well, depends on what you think long is. Like, I think that, like, our generation, like me and you, I think, like, once we start hitting a certain age or a certain level of experience, mm. I, I think that our generation will probably be the one to start it maybe not the one to like live in the limelight of it yeah. but um but yeah i think like it's i think it's starting with us that's what i think yeah yeah absolutely yeah i could definitely see that not just in film but just like in a lot of areas like mm -hmm. music absolutely in theater absolutely yeah. as well um yeah um my next question as well um well my second last question actually because we're nearing the end um what are like your next film projects? Because you mentioned a dance and film project. Do you mm -hmm. want to elaborate a bit more on that? Well, I don't think for dance and film, I don't have anything specific in mind. Yeah. It's kind of maybe more, well, again, this is something that I got from making my film is that, you know, I went the route of narrative storytelling mm -hmm. with like a script with a really big crew with like a lot of people in the camera and lighting department. And I think like, I really enjoyed that. And I, that was like the biggest challenge of my life. But I think like, I also wanted to detach from that and return a little bit more to the, to a more innocent type of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. That's more just like a kid and his camera, just observing the world. Yeah. And that's, I think where I want to take my future projects. So with dance, I don't think I plan to make, at least not yet. I don't think I plan to make anything that's, narratively driven or like explicitly narratively driven mm -hmm. i think i'm i more just want to document mm -hmm. what i see in the communities and the people that are in the dance community here yeah. maybe certain events or certain like uh aspects of dance culture that i think are uh are um interesting to me or that i want to tell or i want to uh show to other people yeah. but um yeah i think i definitely want to go more of an observational essayistic type of route with filmmaking yeah. whether that's through dance or just like you know a single thought or a single texture that i just want to explore to like its fullest and i think that's where i'm gonna go with future projects yeah, yeah. okay that's wonderful mm. yeah 
I really look forward to seeing that. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you think you have the time to do it this year or? Uh, maybe. You said, <laughs> yeah. Because so you like, you're sort of pacing things out. Yeah, maybe well. not. Like, I'm not. I Another thing that I learned from from making my film was that, like, I, I, I just hate deadlines and deadlines are so tough for me. Like, yeah. that's obviously they're necessary and it, it actually pushes you a little bit. But, you know, I've just always struggled with deadlines. Like, I think I've never submitted an assignment on time ever. Mm. I think in primary school, I didn't do a single assignment at all. Like, I'm, I kind of suck with that. Yeah. But I think I'm really good at just taking things step by step yeah. um, and just working on things little by little. And, like, right now, I'm currently just compiling, like, beautiful images that I see. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to turn into something. Mm. It could. It might not. But, like, I think that at least I'm learning now that there's a lot of potential in in observational films mm. um just because of you know i'm not working as much in film but i'm still watching i'm still researching and like i'm really inspired by by filmmakers like uh takashi makino mm. paul clipson um i recently watched something by tio hernandez but these are all like experimental filmmakers throughout the world mm-hmm. and you know that's that's just all they do is that they don't necessarily be like all right here's up my production schedule it starts on this day and ends this day it's like they just go out with their camera everywhere they go and they film something that hits them. Mm-hmm. And then that it's kind of just like a thought that trickles out into a million other thoughts connected mm-hmm. to that one thought. Mm-hmm. And like watching that in film to me is just really beautiful because I think it's a really pure, pure way of telling a story yeah. because it's, it's not really, it doesn't have to go s- through so many layers of like change, like, you know, script, draft mm-hmm. one, this, 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 this. Yeah. It's kind of like, here's my idea and you're watching it as my pure idea and um yeah i don't know if anyone can check out those guys like i think you'd know what i mean by like yeah by that kind of storytelling but definitely the more experimental route is where i'm feeling uh more drawn to at the moment yeah so those will be maybe more of my future projects oh awesome yeah Yeah. and short i want to keep them short too okay yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah i think experimentation in film is really important like because, like, I think the more risks that you sort of take um, within your filmmaking, I think the more interesting results that you sort of kind of get from it. Agreed. Yeah. And not just with filmmaking as well, like, with any kind of art or, like, with any kind of writing. Um, so I think that's really beautiful. And hope hope I get to see more of that. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you will. I think everyone will. I'm, I'm hopefully, like, when it gets out, like, you know, I do. Like, being a filmmaker is still, like, is what I'm is what I want to do, is what I'm kind of drawn to do as well. So, you know, even though I'm on somewhat of a hiatus now, like I definitely will have work and mm-hmm. I'm really excited to share that. So, yeah. you know, maybe, yeah, maybe when something's coming out, I'll hit you guys up and be yes. like, you know, I've got this coming. So like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we'll yeah. be the first to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're off to our last question now. Um, it might be a bit big because um, you kind of, describe yourself as still being new to the area but um what kind of advice would you give to emerging storytellers in western sydney so let's say filmmakers screenwriters Mm -hmm. or um playwrights what kind of advice would you give to them because you know you've made this fully fleshed out film um what kind of advice would you give to these storytellers after Mm -hmm. producing this film yeah well i think that i think obviously a lot of people a lot of you know artists or directors would say like be true to you all this and that and i think that's really important but i think like 
specifically with people coming from Western Sydney, I think we have to realize that what we have in its purest form is is good enough. I think that when I see, I've seen some people from Western Sydney or, you know, maybe other artists from other countries that come from places similar to Western Sydney that try to adapt their style in more of a consumable way to audiences. So maybe they try to try to use methods or use certain styles or motifs that come from more of like the mainstream kind of art or films or if we're talking specifically about films maybe yeah uh, mainstream films or mainstream like types of uh, like script writing Um, I think that we don't necessarily have to go that route I think like just keeping to to what we know and playing to our strengths I think like is going to be the thing that separates us from other people so I think that it's important to be educated in in your field as much as you can you know learn about, if it's film learn about script writing learn about everything but once you have that knowledge like kind of take a step back and be like what really resonates with me or what do I think how do I think this knowledge is going to amplify my message mm-hmm. and I think if people can do that then you know we're going to make things that are timeless I think or things that will really stamp ourselves in in where we are now rather than things that are that kind of just come and go yeah Yeah. because I think that um obviously we're young so we're going to be going through a lot of like trial and error and a lot of the things that people make and a lot of things that I make it might not hit immediately Mm -hmm. but I think that continuing to to tell your true story and to find your voice as a artist from Western Sydney is really like the I think the key Yeah. yeah Uh, that's a really mm. great answer. I love that. I th- I think we definitely do have like a lot to offer like in terms of like storytelling and it's something that's like unique to us that I don't think anyone else from say, you know, like the North Shore or Eastern Suburbs would be able to sort of replicate. So I think that's a really great answer. Yeah, so and I think on that like uh, regardless of what culture you come from, dive deep. Obviously, you want to study art but also study your culture, study your background, talk to your parents, talk to your family members or people who you know that are from similar communities or similar backgrounds to you mm-hmm. because I feel like that gives you a greater base and foundation for yourself as an artist and as a person. And I think that the more you grow that, the better your stories will be and the more like, the more they will speak to like your authentic experiences and culture. Mm-hmm. So definitely do research on yourself as well because I'm doing that now and I feel like even through even though I made a film that's kind of about Filipino culture the way I saw it then Mm -hmm. I can say that that's not even how I see Filipino culture now Mm -hmm. so even within the span of like one year I've changed my mind so much on what I think like you know we should do how we can heal ourselves from like transgenerational trauma so Mm -hmm. like all of that is coming from learning more about my culture and from that I feel like I always learn more about me Mm. and the deeper I know more about these things the more I want to tell stories about them so know more about you know your culture and yourself yeah Yeah. I think that's a beautiful note to end on (laughs) Um, Mm. that's and that's such beautiful advice as well so 
Anyway, thank you, Jared, for joining us on the show. It's all right. Yeah, no Thanks worries. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, if you want to follow Jared, um, you're just on Instagram for now? Or? Yeah, I'm uh, like, I'm on Instagram. Like, I have like, you can, I have like Vimeo and stuff like that, but I don't know. I don't really put too much, but you can probably Google me and it'll probably come up. But yeah, you can get me on Instagram. Like, I put more film stuff on one account, yeah. which is like my name, Gerard, but with an eight. And I have more dance stuff on another Instagram, which is Tech the Kid, which is T E K T H E K I D. So those are my two Instagrams that I just kind of share things on. Um, when things happen, I yeah, I pretty much just like post about it or story it. So yeah, you can get me on there. Um, you can maybe see me through the window in my mom's shop in Blacktown. So like, keep an eye out. Don't be shy. Say hello. <laughs> and like, yeah, I like talking. So like, let's uh, chat. Oh, cute. Mm. All right, thank you so much again, Jared. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's all right. This episode of The Western Podcast is hosted and edited by Nicole Catalina with intro and outro music by The Western co-founder, Clarissa May. The Western is founded by our editor-in-chief, Laura Ranola and recorded at our Duneside home in Western Sydney. You can follow us on Facebook at The Western and on Instagram at the.western. Again, that's at the.western. For more interviews, live pieces and content from us, visit our website at thewestern.com.au. Thank you for listening. Peace out.